Browns, Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 834. Could we have a little Texas music here? Just because uh, on our show today, our featured feathered friend and our mystery bird are both from the Lone Star State and Oklahoma. So that's coming up on our show this morning. And uh, meanwhile, a little closer to home, right in our backyard, literally behind our radio studios, we have common ravens have nested out there. We watched a juvenile or a a fledgling up in a big pine tree last week being fed by one of the parents. We're not sure which one because apparently they both do the feeding and they kind of look alike. So that was pretty cool to see that common raven right here in our studio backyard. And then there's this bird. This is one of those from down in Texas and part of Oklahoma. It's our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in the show. Our strikingly colorful mystery bird is a large songbird with rich green upper parts and yellow or yellow green upper underparts, a black mask, black throat and black chest. And this bird sings until it's blue in the face. In fact, it's blue in the face even when it doesn't sing. Our bird is found mostly in Mexico in South America, and here in the U.S., almost exclusively in South Texas. It's our mystery bird, and we have some beautiful prizes this morning, including a $15 certificate for beautyobooks.com, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Plus, we have the Droll Yankees New Generation Metal Finch Sock. It has a beautiful yellow top and base and offers the attraction of a finch sock with a durability of metal. Prizes on our Mystery Bird contest coming along a little bit later on in this morning's show. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our TalkingBirds.com website and our Facebook page right now. How many individual birds are there in the world? A new study by Australian researchers offers a mind-boggling number. And we'll connect you to the story about it. Still wondering what to do if you find a baby bird? Our friends at Massachusetts Audubon have put together a chart that answers all your questions. We'll connect you to that. And thanks to the Hancock Wildlife Federation in British Columbia, Canada, we'll connect you to a bald eagle nest cam that they have put together. That's some of what's available right now on our TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page. And just a reminder to check out our Kids in Nature page for some terrific ideas about getting kids 
interested in nature and birds. Now a little royal salute here. It's to the royalty of our Talking Birds uh, listening audience. It's our ambassadors who help us spread the word about our show. And thank you to Scott S. from Oakham, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Scott. And thank you to Kathy M. from Saco, Maine. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks to Elaine DeFranco from Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you very much, Elaine. And thanks to Chris C. from our, our hometown right here in Marshfield, Massachusetts. Glad you enjoy the show, Chris. And thank you for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Still to come on our show today, we'll find out what a worryingly widespread pesticide is doing to bees and other pollinators and birds, too, when we talk with Xerces Society Pesticide Program Specialist Sharon Salvaggio from out in Portland, Oregon. Plus, we'll find out what Mike O'Connor has to say about the month of May easing into June and what that means for birds in your backyard. That's in our Let's Ask Mike segment, live from Cape Cod. And up next, a small but handsome songbird with a lot of song to sing is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Vireos aren't very large songbirds, and today's featured feathered friend is the smallest of all the vireos in North America. It's the chickadee-sized black-capped vireo. Small but striking bird with a jet black head, thick white spectacles around its red eyes, olive green upper parts, and white underparts with yellow olive flanks. That's the male. The female's coloration reflects the fact that the black capped vireo is the only member of its family that is sexually dimorphic. Male and female look different from one another. The female's head is dark gray instead of black, and the female is much less intensely colored than the male overall. This vireo has a limited range, breeding through a slice of central Oklahoma and central Texas and down into northern Mexico and wintering along the Mexican Pacific coast. Black-capped vireos are found mostly in scrub oak habitats where they feed on insects and insect larvae, which they glean from leaves, twigs, and branches. They can be hard to see as they skulk about in thick scrub environments, but the long and varied songs of breeding males can often be heard all through the day. Here's an example. In 1987, the black-capped vireo was federally listed as endangered, but thanks to intensive efforts by volunteers to preserve habitat and reduce nest parasitism by cowbirds, the bird's population rebounded enough for it to be removed from the list in 2018. Still, its survival now depends on continuing human intervention. Our bird's scientific name echoes its common name. It's Vireo atricapilla, the black-capped Vireo. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Again, welcome again to our show number eight hundred and thirty-four. We always like to remind about our um, what our website. Yeah, that's it. That's at talkingbirds.com, and still no G in talking. And may we remind about our talking birds flock as well. We have lots of 
folks in our flock. And if you'd like to join them, it's just a place for Talking Birds listeners to uh, kind of chit-chat, share pictures and videos and observations about birds. It's a Facebook thing. Just go to Facebook.com and do a little search there for Talking Birds Flock. Sharon Salvaggio is a pesticide program specialist with the Xerces Society for Invertebrate Conservation, whose aim is to protect the natural world through the conservation of invertebrates and their habitats. And she joins us uh, right now to talk about the lethal effect on bees and other creatures by a group of pesticides known as neonicotinoids. Good morning, Sharon. Hi, Ray. I'm so pleased to be with you, and I wish we could talk about the bald eagle nest that established about a half mile from my house this year, but let's talk about pesticides instead. Okay, look, I'll, ma- I'll make a note of that for future uh, future reference. We can <laughs> we can uh, certainly uh, talk about that. That's a, that's a wonderful topic. I might have some news, too, about a bald eagle banding um, here in uh, Massachusetts um, on our next show. Well, uh, your organization... The Xerces Society uh, has published a report called How Neonicotinoids Can Kill Bees. We should start off, I think, maybe by asking you just what are neonicotinoids? What's different about them? Why are they so lethal for bees and other pollinators? Okay. Neonicotinoids are a group of insecticides that were developed and put on the market in the early 1990s. Since then, their use has just skyrocketed. Mm. skyrocketed. It's grown exponentially. Um, they're used on just about every kind of crop out there. They're available for home use, landscaping use, nursery use. Um, they can be applied as a spray, as a seed treatment on a number of different crops that are commodities like corn, soy, wheat, rice, mm. cotton. They um, can actually even be injected into trees. And um, so there's a lot of ways that they are used. They're used on flea collars. Um, they're in home pesticides that are available at the you know, hardware store. So they're in tons of products um, available for just about every site out there. They are highly, highly toxic to bees and other invertebrates. Um, they are very long-lasting. Mm. They have been documented as lasting even seven years in some woody um, trees and woody shrubs. Um, and they get inside plant tissue and can eventually be um, carried to the nectar and pollen. And that's how bees can be exposed. And other insects feeding on the leaves can also be exposed. Things like monarch or other butterfly Mm. caterpillars when they're feeding Mm -hmm. on leaves um so they also get into the soil and but once they're in the soil they're highly water soluble and can be washed into local streams so they're um found in many many places in the environment they have the capacity to impact many what we call non-target um species Mm -hmm. species that we're not supposed to be the subject of the pesticide application. And so things that are beneficial to us, including pollinators, including those species that um, perform natural pest control, they're often called beneficial insects, mm-hmm. are often harmed by these this group of insecticides. And we can include birds in there as well, right? The, I know the American Bird Conservancy did a review of a couple of hundred studies and concluded that a single tr- a seed 
treated with neonics is enough to kill a songbird. They also suggest that lesser amounts can emaciate birds, impair reproduction, and disrupt their migratory pathways. Yeah, correct. And um, one thing to keep in mind about that impact birds is that, as you listeners know, many birds are insectivorous either wholly or during some stage of their their life. Mm -hmm. And so when we have impacts on the insect life, um, we end up having an indirect effect on the food that's available for hundreds of bird species. Mm -hmm. And so that is a real concern as well, this um, sort of cascading effect in the ecosystem to birds from neonicotinoids as well as other insecticides. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, when people think about bees, there's been so much talk about colony collapse disorder in the last few years. Is it correct that neonics are not directly implicated in that or what's the status there? Not by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Colony collapse disorder uh, was first noticed about 15 years ago. Um, Bees were leaving their hives. This is a honeybee syndrome and not returning. And um, at this point, researchers believe that it's caused by a number of different factors, not by any one factor alone. There is um, documentation that neonicotinoids together with some of the parasites and viruses that honeybees are affected by can actually worsen those problems. The neonicotinoids are also uh, what we call synergistic with several fungicides. So when these are available together in the environment, often the effect is more pronounced on the bees. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not just honeybees, um, bumblebees are actually more sensitive. And some of the effects that we do see on um, bees include reduced foraging ability, For honeybees, the reduced um, flight ability and navigational ability. Um, And then in bumblebees, reduced queen production. So these effects, even at very low levels that are not enough to cause a kill, um, can often result in sort of reproductive effects that can affect the population over time. So these are some of the things. Of course, bees rely upon the um, social you know, uh, colony bees like, you know, bumblebees and honeybees, Mm -hmm. as well as the ability to go find pollen sources and bring it back to the nest. And so the ability to navigate and to forage is, of course, extremely important to Mm -hmm. their long-term survival. And we talk about all this, and these are all legal uh, things here, although I'm reading in Nebraska, they've had a, or there's a bill, I guess, in the legislature now to ban neonicotinoid use in ethanol production there because of the water migration. Yeah, what um, was happening is that, you know, as people were turning toward ethanol as an alternative source of fuel for things like our vehicles, um, for a long time, ethanol was made out of corn. Um, But treated seed is one of the big uses of neonicotinoids. So the seed gets coated before it even goes in the bag and goes out to the farmer. Mm -hmm. And lots of farmers don't actually use up all of their seed. And at the end of the season, when they haven't planted that seed, they don't want to keep it for the next year because it's not as viable the next year as seed sort of slowly loses its germination percentage. So they're looking to get rid of it. The ethanol plants were taking treated seed like they would take any other, you know, corn seed and using it to make ethanol. And this was resulting in 
absolutely astronomical rates of water pollution in nearby streams and rivers and reports of human health uh, problems in the local community. And this all just came to light a few months ago. Um, there were researchers who were beginning to become aware of this. Cersei Society got involved. There have been several media uh, reports about this at this point. Um, and so the resulting attention and realization about the the magnitude of the water pollution and human health problem resulted thankfully in very quick action by the legislature and the, the regulatory agency in Nebraska. Unfortunately, we don't know if there are other plants that are doing this in other states. Um, this is not a regulated practice apparently. Um, and seed treatment as a whole isn't regulated by the EPA very well so that um, we just don't have a firm grip on this problem. So this is yet another sort of like unintended consequence mm -hmm. of the use of neonicotinoids. Mm -hmm. Our time is so short here, Sharon. I would certainly like to have you come back and talk about this more. There's so many other questions, but maybe something quickly just about what we can do in our backyards uh, re with regard to this pesticide and, and others. Yeah, well, as uh, consumers, probably the number one thing that any one of us can do is to choose certified organic food. Uh, that's the one with the green USDA label that says certified organic. Food that is grown that way doesn't have any synthetic pesticides on it, wouldn't have any, any neonicotinoids used. And that would have an effect well beyond your footprint, you know, in your own community. But in your own backyard, another really important thing to do is just to avoid pesticides in your own yard. Um, most home pests can be managed without it, whether you handpick something off your vegetable. Be very aware if you use a landscaping company, what they're doing in your yard. Mm -hmm. Some people have landscapers coming in when they're at work. And if they're spraying pesticides, you might not even know about it. So be very careful about talking with your landscape company if you use that. Mm -hmm. You have something Finally, that, yeah. Yeah, try to find plants that have been grown. We have a tip sheet at our, nurse, at our website, xerces.org, be safe nursery plants, and you can use that to find plants um, at the nursery that haven't been treated with neonicotinoids and other harmful pesticides. Mm -hmm. I'll give that uh, website again uh, here in uh, just a moment. Sharon Salvaggio is a pesticide program specialist with the Portland, Oregon-based Xerces Society for Invertebrate conservation. You can learn more about their good work and find that tip, sure, uh, tip sheet as well at the website. And um, I'm going to spell this. It's xerces.org, but it's spelled X-E-R-C-E-S. That's X-E-R-C-E-S. Xerces.org. Sharon, thank you so much. And there's so much more to talk about on this, including the uh, bald eagle nest as well. So hope you'll come back with us soon. Thank you so much, Ray. It was such a pleasure. Coming up here next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. 
And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. It's our mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a strikingly colorful, large songbird with rich green upper parts and yellow or yellowish green underparts. A black mask, black throat, and black chest. And as we said earlier, this bird sings until it's blue in the face. And it's blue in the face even when it doesn't sing. It's found mostly in Mexico and South America, here in the U.S., almost exclusively in South Texas. Beautiful prizes include the Droll Yankees' new generation metal finch sock can be hung or pole mounted. And a, bull, a bonus prize here is a $15 certificate for beautyobooks.com, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Prizes there on our Mystery Bird Contest. And a reminder, too, that you can call in and give a guess. If it's not correct, you could still be the winner because uh, we'll have a drawing from among those calls received if um, we don't get a correct answer, which sometimes happens. And the important thing I want to make sure I mention here would be the phone number, and that would be 781-837-4900. I'll repeat that. It's 781-837-4900. And uh, we're getting late on our show already, so please don't hesitate and call us as soon as you can. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, Backyard Birds in late May and early June. We'll talk about that with Mike O'Connor. It's Let's Ask Mike Live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for, in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. My name is Michael Carroll in Cloverdale, California. I became a talking bird ambassador because I love teaching, and as a park ranger, I've led many birding tours. And once I found out about the show, I was able to uh, tell other people about it. And then once finding out about being an ambassador, I was on board immediately. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Let's make a Cape Cod connection as we do every week here, and happy to do so with Mike O'Connor from the legendary Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod, and Mike not only has a store, he also has a backyard, and he has a lot of birds out there, and he kind of knows um, what, what's happening with all of that. Uh, at least he alleges that he does. Let's uh, see if it's really true. <laughs> what a terrible introduction! <laughs> I know that I didn't. I, I should have written this down. I, I'm going to make sure I write it down next time. But you know, yeah. props to you for selling uh, spelling Xerxes because that was an excellent guest that and you just had on, and I had no clue how to spell that. I was trying to look it up, and thank you for doing that. Yeah, that would be a tough one to to uh, to do. Speaking of writing things out, I, I wrote it out uh, phonetically the whole time, so. <laughs> If I had written it without phoneticizing it, it would have been 
trouble uh, there. No, that's good. I just yeah. punched up the website. It's excellent. I should anyway, spell it again since we're... A little bit kind of that same topic because we're just finishing May. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. And the bird, May is, for a backyard bird, it's by far the best month of the year. A lot of birds have returned that we haven't seen for a while. Swallows, hummingbirds, orioles, and then sometimes the lucky people get a few bonus birds that are a little bit on the lost side. We'll get some tanagers or some gross beaks or some buntings pop up in the yard for a day or two before they figure out where to go and they move on. So it's the best time of year for birding, but then it flips over to June, which is two days from now, and it becomes one of the quieter times of year for birding. Birds, uh, the lost birds have figured out where to go, so we don't get those bonus birds, and even the birds that nest in in our yard year-round or return in the spring, they begin nesting, and once they start nesting and they have baby birds, they go to what your guest Sharon just talked about, insects. Insects are hugely important for birds and that's what they feed their babies. So they spend less time, unfortunately for me, at bird feeders and more time looking and cleaning, uh, poking through the plants for insects. And the people get a little upset because they just had a wave of birds. Bird feeding is the best. And all of a sudden, it gets quieter, and they call me up, and where are all the birds? They're busy raising their babies, feeding them insects. Except for one bird. And what bird is the vegetarian, Ray? That That's would right. American, American goldfish. goldfish. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they continue on the feeders while everybody else is quiet at that. And even some of the goldfinches, I just heard, they, some of them turn vegan. They don't even do dairy anymore. <laughs> but I, I found that impressive. But anyways, <laughs> the, the thing is, just to be calmed down, because soon, once the babies have flown, they'll return to the feeders, and you'll actually have more birds. Some people will put out mealworms. Mealworms in a little dish, especially if you're lucky enough to have bluebirds or wrens. They'll, they love mealworms, a little dish of mealworms. It'll take the place of the seeds for a while. So there you go. So just enjoy May, but get sit tight for June because it'll be a little bit quieter. But there's nothing wrong with your feeders and seed. And then after after June, the babies will return. They'll be good again. All right. Now, everybody on Cape Cod, don't be complaining over there to Mike about this. Thing. It's not his fault. <laughs> not at all. All right. Yeah, that made up for that bad introduction. Yeah, nice save. I like oh, that. Okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> all right, Mike. Talk, talk to you. This, talk to you later. Yeah, all bye-bye. right. Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com memberships. We're back here at this uh, mystery bird contest place here, trying to identify this mystery bird uh, the number to call would be uh, 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. And uh, who do we go to here? I think we uh, we have Muffy in Baltimore, Maryland. Good morning, Muffy. Good morning. <laughs> well, we're being so, uh, so um, which, which is familiar, I guess, here, because we, we know you, Muffy, and we know that you're one of our wonderful Talking Birds ambassadors, and... And we like you even though you're an Orioles fan. Yes, but even the Orioles don't like the <laughs> Orioles because they seem to be on a losing streak. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. So don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll put a losing streak together here in Boston before long. So you'll be, you'll be all right. Let's see. Um, we're on the mystery bird. We're talking about baseball Orioles in case anybody just wasn't uh, we weren't clear about that. But uh, you love the other kind of Orioles, I know. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right. I guess, let's see. We, we were doing the mystery bird contest. So you heard all those clues and, and everything. Muffy, what do you say that bird is there? I'm guessing a green jay. A green jay. That's a heck of a guess right there. Green jay. What a spectacular bird that is. I've only seen them a couple of times, and it was down there in, in the Rio Grande Valley of... Uh, Texas, but what a spectacular bird. Uh, absolutely right. Um, I was going to say, bonus question, I think we don't have time for it, but uh, call us again, Muffy, um, when you're eligible again after six months. Okay. <laughs> and stay on the line now, and we'll get all your info. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's uh, our friend Muffy down there in Baltimore, Maryland, correctly identifying the green jay. Well, we are doing this show's week live here on the 30th of May. Tomorrow we'll honor all the great men and women who gave their lives for the rest of us. Memorial Day tomorrow. 30th of May also happens to be day one of Black Birders Week 2021, which aims to inspire new audiences to engage in nature and share the stories of black conservationists across the country. Check them out at Black Birders Week. Do a little online search. We're out of time. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beauty O Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org.